Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. preseason game where he didn't um, stand up for the anthem at this point. Um, And so that's some of the comments that he made on social, uh, on these social media platforms in terms of uh, within the political realm that's happening in the country. Obviously the elections coming up in November. Um, Welcome to the great Aaron blitz right here on block talk radio and ultimate sports talk.com alongside uh, Troy Wilson and Kishi free couple minutes, we'll have Holly Custis of the Seattle Majestics of the WFA kind of chime in as well. Um, big Niner fan. So we just kind of get her perspective in terms of the team, the aspect, the fan base. Um, she's a big fan. So it, so uh, in Kishi, Troy, uh, we got a lot of stuff to cover this two hours. So it's kind of a heated debate, obviously, nationally with, with politics and coming up in November here in another 90 days or so, we're going to have that aspect of it. And individually, we all have our own you know, right to vote with who we choose to. And he obviously felt uh, that uh, by sitting down, he was making a statement uh, of the fact that, um, I guess, you know, certain people in the country are are being oppressed, um, you know, politically at this point, as well as, you know, the flag not standing so much for what he perceives as freedom. So uh, he got a lot of uh, slack and a lot of, you know, beef on, social media on both sides, you know, strong military uh, patriotism, 
as well as, you know, he got supported by a lot of people that felt in his realm. So um, we're going to dive into it in a couple minutes here um, and then kind of, you know, dissect it on both sides. All of us have our opinion. We're all going to have pretty much a different opinion at this point. We might have a similar opinion um, in, t in terms of what's going on with it. But, you know, in a perspective aspect of it, he is using the platform in a sports setting. Um, you know, you have a lot of players that obviously were not in agreement with him. I mean, there's, you know, big-name players like Drew Brees. You got Jerry Rice speaking out. Um, there's some players that obviously were for, for his stance. Um, and then so we're going to run into, you know, on both sides, how we're going to deal with it. And how can it be addressed? Because if you feel so strongly about it, it's kind of a big voice because he has such a big platform, especially in the NFL. And we've all we've talked about in the NFL before, you know, the NFL's got domestic violence issues. It's got uh, off-field drug issues, um, you know, all that stuff. And this is sort of what's being, you know, put out there in terms of the news, what he's read, what he's researched from what he claims. Um, so that's, that's pretty much his opinion. He's not going to change his stance, he said. It, it's going to continue. Other folks have said that this might be a situation where he's thinking he's going to be cut, which I think is far-fetched on that aspect of it, and he's using this as some sort of, you know, to stay on the team aspect of it. But um, overall, we're going to dive into Colin Kaepernick's, uh, you know, stance uh, in terms of the anthem during the NFL preseason um, so, guys, uh, we'll, and then we'll dive into the women's recap as well. We'll dissect uh, Legends Football League Western Conference Championships that happened this past weekend, and then Legends Cup that happened in Arizona. Uh, we'll also dive into the German League, the final week of the German League, and then we'll go into uh, Gridiron uh, Queensland uh, week three, and then we'll also uh, kind of preview week one in uh, Gridiron New South Wales later in the hour. So, Troy and Kishi, uh, Kishi, welcome back. Troy. Hello. Uh, a lot of things happening in NFL preseason. And so, uh, you know, let's start with the Redskins. There's a, lot, a lot of stuff happening in preseason. Let's go with the Redskins. We'll jump over to uh, um, to Nkishi here because obviously the, the Cowboys have made a change. And who would have thought that uh, Romo would be out <laughs> before week one? Um, I'm and then, you know, my Rams still in a toss up quarterback mentality. Can't figure out who's going to start um, and things like that. So, Let's let's go around the NFL in terms of preseason. Uh, if you guys got any hot button things that we need to talk about, we'll discuss it now. And then we're gonna have Holly coming on here, like I said, in about a couple minutes here. Then we'll start the uh, the huddle and talk about Kaepernick and you know the the aspect of the anthem and everything else. So uh, Troy, um, DC. I mean, let's go let's go to Washington. Uh, that's the NFC East. Uh, kind of give us your take on your team, and then kind of give us an idea of of the division. Well, I mean, my, my team looked a little out of sync. Um, you know, offensively, they were a little bit inept. Uh, a lot of drop passes, a lot of penalties. That's been throughout the preseason for my team. So I was actually looking to, to find a team that has uh, cleaned up some of those mistakes. I mean, those are the same mistakes that you've seen last year. I think the Redskins were amongst one of the teams that were the most penalized. So, I mean, to me, that's just – it's just inexcusable a lot of the mistakes that they're doing, the jumping off sides on offense, dropping passes uh, on defense, and also on offense, um, you know, they, they were running the ball. Um, and they they hired uh, Bill Callahan, who was supposed to be a guru as far as the running game. Um, it's made his bones as being a great offensive line coach. But it just seems like for some reason they can't get the running game going. It's more the same in the preseason. 
Uh, they wanted to have Matt Jones kind of take the helm. Uh, last three years, you had Alfred Morris running the ball back there, who was effective, but his effectiveness started to wane a little bit uh, throughout the years. I, I don't trust Matt Jones. I just don't. I didn't follow you know, and I know, you know, the comparison that Scott McClellan, the Redskins GM, uh, gave him was Marshawn Lynch. Well, I, I haven't seen anything that resembled Marshawn Lynch. And there were two players that I felt like they could have had a better shot or they would have got a better player in, one being Todd Gurley and um, the other kid out in um, in Arizona. Um, slips my name. He slips my mind that quick. Uh, but, you know, I thought they would have been better I think uh, Troy's having uh, uh, Troy, are you having uh, tire issues again? Are you dropping off? Maybe, let's see uh, I'm trying to get the score to the bar. Can, Are you still you with us, Troy? Yeah, yeah can I can hear, hear you now Okay, yeah, yeah. I, I like the way the secondary you. played I like the way the secondary played on defense uh, but they still can't stop the run and so they're still having issues at defensive tackle. I want to see how they clean that up in the in the in the um, in the regular season. But to me, it looks like more of the same. Uh, well, I guess we're lucky again that Dallas has an injured quarterback, Tony Romo, and that's you know give us a, a little bit of a, a leg up. But you know, so far I'm not really too excited. I do like the way the one bright spot I thought on our on our team was Preston Smith. He was a rookie last year. He was an outside linebacker. He ended the year with eight sacks. Right now, he looks unblockable. I mean, this guy looks like he's going to be a surefire star. So, if you guys are looking for the next defensive star, next pass rusher, look out for the name Preston Smith. He's a second-year kid out of Mississippi State. Look out for that guy. He's going to be a great one. Are we talking defensively more-minded Washington with this? Are we we going to be, like, worried about offense at this point? Is that your worry right now, that – they're going to go more defense, and then maybe the offense isn't going to be as as good as we, you know, you thought it would be this year. Well, the offense, I think, from the throwing perspective, I think they're going to be great. I mean, you got Garcon, you got Deshaun Jackson, uh, Jordan Reed. To me, is the top three tight end in the NFL. I mean, the guy you you can't you cannot guard this kid. You can't put a linebacker on him. He's too quick. He's he's got too many. He's got wide receiver moves. You put a defensive back on him. He's too big. You put a safety on him, he's going to outmaneuver him. He's, he, you cannot guard this guy. And if you double-team him, Garcon is going to eat you up underneath, and then Deshaun Jackson over the top. And then you also have a lot of other wide receivers, Jamison Crowder, who was a rookie last year. He played in the slot, another quick kid. He is just exciting. So the passing game I feel really comfortable with, but I don't feel like I'm going to have that kind of balance without that running game to help take the pressure off of that passing game. And you definitely need that, especially if you're talking about making the championship run. So the worry for you is at this point is uh, more offensive-minded worry at this point than defense? Um, I, well, I, I worry more about the defense because they had issues stopping the run. Uh, the last few years, the Redskins have been in the lower tier of the, of, of the league as far as defensive rankings. So I think if they are going to make that leap, that's where they're going to have to make their biggest improvement. And I don't see much other than Preston Smith. And then always you can count on Ryan Kerrigan to show up. And the, the defensive backs look good, but they're going to still need that pass rush up front and also to be able to stop the run with their defensive line. 
Yeah, I agree. Um, and Kishi, the Cowboys, I mean, worst fear happens here. Tony Romo goes down. And I was, you know, the way he slid, I was thinking, why didn't he just slide back first like he normally does? Somehow he, sl- he, sl- he slid awkwardly, and then the defender came out from the back, and sort of I think it's a back spraying type of that basically ended up injuring him in that sense. Um, so, I mean, I don't know at this point. Prescott was really good, 39 of 50 for 454, five TDs. So I guess you're in good hands uh, in, in that aspect of it if, until he comes back. Um, you know what? There's a fabulous meme right now that says the Dak Knight rises. And you know what? I think that is so appropriate, one, because I'm team Batman all day, every day. And I know that's eating Troy up. So, of course, I just had to throw that out there. So, yeah, the Dak Knight rises. Um, the reality is, you know, first everybody was trying to, you know, go get Nick Foles. And I'm just like, Ugh, I know we need a backup. But the funny thing is that every veteran backup that we have gotten for Tony Romo since he's been our starter has been some crap. Um, I honestly and truly, we've not had a quality backup for Tony Romo. He's the best backup we've had on the team, and now he's starting. And what I think is perfect is the fact that I'm glad we didn't get Nick Foles. I'm glad that he went to the Chiefs. He's, it was better for him to be back under Andy Reid. And I'm looking forward to see what the new kids on the block can do. Because the reality is, again, we've had all these veterans, Whedon, um, Kellen Moore. Um, we had Johnson at one point who was, you know, the former Redskins player. I mean, we've, we've just, you know, you've named them, we've had them, and all of them have come up short. So I'm excited about the fact that we're not turning to another veteran and we're going to give the new kids on the block a shot. I'm excited about Dak Prescott. And you know who else I'm excited about that a lot of people are sleeping on? I'm excited about Jameel Showers. I mean, did you see the way he played in the final quarter of that um, last game? I mean, he was 19 for 37 passing for 227 yards. And that hurry-up offense that he ran – it was amazing. I was sitting there shouting, go, 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 you know, and the, you know, the touchdown. And I was like, okay. When I saw him, I said, you know what? I feel good. I said, I'm okay. You know, I didn't want Tony to get hurt. You know, that is my football love. Everybody who knows me knows I love me some Tony Romo. I love me some him. However, I, I hurt to say this, but this may be the year for the passing of the guard, you know? I mean, he's Tony's 36. He's I really think it's time, uh, to your point. I really think it's time. I mean, I'm, Troy, you think it's time? It's pretty much time, right? I mean, this is just it's biding your time. This is kind of like Joe Namath in, in a lot of aspects for it, for Tony Romo. It's like, you know, when Joe Namath went to Los Angeles. So at this point, it's, yeah. you know, Prescott is, I think he's earned it. I, uh, from all yeah. the reviews that I read, even on the on all the you know, the insider uh, blogs in terms of, you know, the preseason. Uh, everybody's been very impressed with this kid. And then the first outing against Los Angeles was very impressive. And then against Seattle, I mean, you, you, oh my 39 God, 50 that was fabulous. you know what I mean? It's like, so I think he's earned it. I think he, he deserves to get I the agree. shot. And I, and he's, and he's very impressive. Uh, right behind uh, Ezekiel Elliott, who I think uh, it's a good combination, kind of a lot of, yes. uh, you know when you had when you had Smith 
and uh, you know don't in the it. backfield. Don't. So hopefully that compounds to it, you know. But uh, what I still needs to live up to it. But overall, I think they played a good game against Seattle, and so I think he earned it. I mean, I'm, I'm not hoping Tony Roma doesn't come back, but at this point, right. like you said, it's the changing of the guard. And I'm okay with the changing of the guard. I think the reality is Tony Tony needs to go, but he is trying to hold on to the very end because he's determined to get that ring, to get this monkey off his back so you all can shut up about his legacy, and then he can go into the Hall of Fame. I honestly believe that that's Yeah, I don't think there's a question there. I mean, I think he'll I think he'll be in the Cowboys Hall of Fame. I don't know if he'll go into the Hall of Fame right away, but he'll be in the call in Cowboys well, Hall of Fame for sure. He'll be in the Cowboys Hall of Fame because his numbers, you know, demand it. I mean, every year consistently, if you look at the numbers and the stats, Tony Romo is in despite what the critics think and how the critics and, you know, the analysts rank him, you know, he's always in the top 10. But just from stats alone, he comes closer to the top five, like number six. So the reality is that if he were able, however, to lead the Cowboys to a Super Bowl like, um, you know, um, Manning did last year, then the reality is based on stats and the ring, because clearly the ring is so important, he has a better shot of getting in the NFL Hall of Fame and the Pro Football Hall of Fame. And I honestly believe that with the numbers. Because let's think about this again. He went undrafted from a no-name school that nobody – I mean, in all theory, and I'm saying totally no-name. I mean, it wasn't a Pac-10. It wasn't, you know, an SEC right, school. Right. It, and for him to come in undrafted and put up the numbers that he's put up against – draft number one players like Eli Manning, who went, you know, number one, against a Philip Rivers, against a Ben Roethlisberger, because they were all in that same draft class. Except, oh, I forgot, Tony wasn't drafted. So for him to keep pace with them, I'm sorry. Everybody needs to, to, to get off Tony and, and look at what he's done statistically. Yes, has he choked in some big games? Because the reality is until the last two years, he hasn't had the offensive line that he's needed to give him the protection so he wouldn't have to play Blazing Saddles Cowboy and throw it up and hope that something happens. So, you know, I, I'm okay with what he's done. I just hope he can get the ring and get the monkey off his back. That said, again, I'm going to go with the young guns. I am excited about Dak Prescott, and I'm excited about Jamil Showers. I can't wait to see what they do. And, yes, for Ezekiel Elliott, keep him healthy, keep him out of the weed stores <laughs> in Seattle. And, it's going um, you know, to be very exciting in the NFC East because there's a lot of transition happening. You got Washington, you got New York, uh, you got Dallas, even Philadelphia is in transition. So the transition in the, in the East is very exciting just kind of like to look at an overview of it. You got a lot of teams with the upside – and you also have uh, a lot of rookies that are going to be starting in, in that division. So it's kind of really, really cool. Um, before we go forward here, if we're going to go to the West, let's go ahead and uh, bring in uh, Seattle Majestics All-Star and uh, WFA. Uh, Holly Custis is going to join us right now. Holly, are you on? Yes, I'm here. Hey, Holly. Holly, uh, welcome hey, to the show. It's been a while. And how's, how's your recovery going? It is going. I've had a lot going on in my personal life. I just started a new job um, about a month ago, and recovery is going great. Congratulations. Um, 
Thank Yay. you. Um, I am doing a lot of pool therapy. Um, I'm able to jog in the pool, which is awesome. I, I can't tell you how exciting it was the first time I did it. It was like, ah, oh, I almost forgot what this feels like. Um, but my next appointment is in, I think, three weeks here or so. And then hopefully I get cleared to jog on land at that point. But everything's going great. I've been going to the gym a lot. I've been doing leg press and, um, you know, a whole bunch of uh, exercises. And um, it was a little disheartening to get on the leg press and then look at the plates on the side and be like, wow, this is nowhere near what I normally do. But, that's you know, it's <laughs> kind of a reality check of like, wow, you know, um, it's crazy how much – strength you you lose in your leg after after a surgery like that but i'm building i'm already oh, yeah. you know gaining a lot of ground so it's exciting to, it's exciting will you be able to play next year so you Holly, think you'll be back yes um yeah so the, the tentative, you, what was that that's what i was gonna ask oh, you no, Troy, uh, yeah that's what we were asking yeah oh, you're okay. gonna be back on the field <laughs> Yes, my tentative timeline um, uh, so far is my next appointment's in September, um, and then hopefully I get cleared to jog straight, and that will be around six the six-month mark. And then at the eight-month mark, so in uh, mid-November, the goal is for me to be cleared to do side-to-side drills, and then for me to return to play in January with, uh, with a brace. And um, so I'm right on target so far. So it's it's crazy because I just realized a couple of weeks ago that I'm I was at the five month mark and I'm like wow like it seems like it's been forever <laughs> but I still have I'm about halfway I'm about halfway through. Well, it's good to hear that you're actually on on good roads towards uh, rehabbing so that's awesome to hear. Um, Holly, we brought you in tonight because we got you know the Kaepernick debate and I thought who better to bring you in than a 49er fan. Um, so big 49er fan that you are. So uh, g- give us a perspective. We just went through Troy uh, and Kishi's perspective on Redskins and Cowboys. Uh, can you give us your perspective in terms of the NFL preseason for the Niners right now? Um, you know, minus the, the Kaepernick, uh, you know, issue that's going on right now, but overall in terms of just for getting ready for week one. Yeah. Um, so I'll table the Kaepernick thing for a minute. Cause that's going to be, you know, obviously it's whole own story. Um, I mean, it's been interesting. I think I've seen some good things from the team. Um, uh, I think, you know, on a football level, as far as Kaepernick is concerned, I don't think he's our quarterback. I think it's going to be Blaine. I think he's played better, and I think he has more confidence from uh, the rest of his offense and the rest of his team. Um, I'm really excited about our running backs. They've all run the ball really well, and I think you give them some more time in Chip Kelly's offense, and I, I think our running game will be will be just fine. Um, I think our defense has played Carlos, okay, Carlos but it's hard to been a very good beast. Carlos Hyde has been say? a very good beast for you guys. I said Carlos yeah, Hyde definitely. has been a very good beast for you guys so far. Yeah, I, I was – you know, when I heard that Chip was coming to the, the Niners – being an Oregon Duck fan, I know Chip Kelly's offense really well, and I was like, you know, this is going to be a really – Carlos High was the first guy I thought about because I know what type of running back fits well in that offense, and he fits the bill. 
And so everybody was saying, oh, Kaepernick. And I'm like, no, it's going to be Carlos Hyde who's really going to take off. So I, I think he's going to have a huge year. Um, defensively, Anybody I think else it's hard the- to tell because – Can you hear me? Anybody else do that stands out to you right now? Um, not a whole lot. Um, I just like for me, I'm looking at the big picture because preseason's hard to tell, you know, because you only really get um, you know, a quarter or or if that with the starters, and since we have so much, you know, turnover from the last couple of years, it's really. I'm less looking at the individual players. I'm more looking at the scheme of the offense and how the defense is gelling together as a whole. But I do think we have some good pieces, and I think we drafted well, and I think our, our rookie class is, is is showing out pretty well. And I think it's really a matter of seeing what we have on the big picture and then seeing what pieces we need to add to it. I think it's going to be exciting in terms of the offense. Uh, defensively, I don't know about them right now, but, you know, like you said, you can't tell until, like, literally, I think of it as within five weeks of, of starting the season, that's when you can really gauge a team, whether they're going to have upside or not, whether they're going to struggle, how they're going to end up. But in preseason, it's really nice to, to see, like Troy says, sort of dissecting certain players and see how they're doing with certain, certain um, formations and all that and kind of gives you an idea whether – they're going to fit and be impactful. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and defense is really hard to tell because, yeah, a good defense needs to be cohesive. And when you have the preseason, really it's to kind of give a tune-up to the veterans, but really you're looking at the last, like, 15, 20 roster spots and trying to figure them out. So they're usually moving pieces around a lot, so it's hard to tell what a defense is going to be like uh, as a unit until you get into the season. Well, I, I yeah, and the West is going to be contested uh, as well. I wanted to say something about San Fran. I mean, like the, the way they drafted in the past two years, I mean, I, I think they got Armstead um, last year, and I think it was Brockton this year. They got the two big defensive tackles. In my opinion, that's how you start a team. And, you know, San Francisco was stout on defense last year. That was always their forefront. I mean, their, you know, their, their forte right there. I mean, um, so I, I think they're going to be solid on defense. I think that's that's kind of what they do. Uh, a friend of mine who is a San Francisco fan, he's, all, he's very hyped about Tank Carradine. Hello? He really likes Tank Carradine. And um, hopefully he, he can pick it up for you guys also. Sorry, I, I'm not sure if I got cut out or, or you got cut out, but I think I missed the, the last couple things you said. Oh, sorry about that. Can you guys hear me? No, yeah, I, can, I, I can. Okay, now I was saying I like what San Francisco did with their defense, and they picked up, you know, the two big, big defensive tackles uh, two years in a row, uh, Armstead and then uh, uh, I think uh, Bruckner, uh, who they picked up as the big defensive tackle. And I think they're going to do pretty well on defense. I think the, the issue that San Fran has is that other than uh, Torrey Smith, who do you have at the wideout position? I mean, you have some guys that really don't issue. have a lot of names. <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. I mean, you got guys like, you know, DeAndre Smelter, who I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure most NFL fans have never heard of, but, you know, the team seems to be pretty high on them. And, mm-hmm. and then you also lost Bruce Ellington just this past weekend. He's torn an ACL. He's out for the season. 
And so where are you going to get your offensive production from from the receiver position? I think it's a really big question for the 49ers. Yeah, I, I think that that's been kind of a issue for my team for the last, I don't know, few years actually. But the good thing is, is if we don't have a lot of depth there, Chip's offense will help. Uh, you know, he's very capable of putting in um, a screen game and, and uh, kind of using his running backs as, um, you know, additional receivers out of the backfield too. He's really creative in that way. So I think if the, if it becomes an issue of we don't have a lot of deep threats, Chip will get creative. I I, um, I am really excited about um, uh, the offensive lineman that we picked up from Stanford from the draft. Um, is it Garnett? Is his last name? Can't remember off the top of my head right now, but. I don't know if you watched him play at, at Stanford, but that, that guy's a beast. And he, when we drafted him, I was really excited because, again, I understand Chip's offense, and that guy that guy's going to clear some bodies out of the way. So I'm excited about that. Um, I think we this year I think we drafted way better than we did in the last two years, to be honest. I don't I think agree. we drafted that well the last two years. And so the biggest question I have for my team is, is the front office going to allow Chip and, you know, everybody to do their jobs? If they do, then I think we can build something. Well, see, Holly, that's what I wanted to say. I'm I'm jumping in real quick. Here's what I wanted to ask you, because part of the problem with your team hasn't necessarily been the product on the field. It had to do with a lot of the crazy off the field and in the front office, all of the the switches, the change-ups, just total dysfunction and disorganization, which, you know, and we all know whether it's football or or teachers or schools or anything in the game of life, it always starts from the top down. And when the top is crazy, it trickles down to dysfunction in every other aspect. And I think that we saw that's really a lot of what has plagued the uh, 49ers for the past couple of years. Um, but let me ask you a question. Why do you think that Chip will succeed in San Francisco where he just totally bombed in Philly? And, you know, with you being an Oregon Duck fan, you know, and, you, and you're already up there and – you know, so you have, of course, um, a, a better affinity for what he brought to the college game. How do you think he's going to be able to make that translate to the prof- um, to the professional game and with a second team? And is the end. Last question: If he doesn't get it done within two years in um, San Fran, is he done on the professional level? And I know there's a lot of questions, I, but <laughs> I, I think. Um... The thing that Chip does really well is he builds uh, a structure, like you're like you're saying, from the top to bottom. The thing he did really well at Oregon is he took Oregon to the next level. Mike Bellotti had been there for several years and, and started to build a program up at Oregon, but um, Chip is the guy that came in and, and changed everything. So he started out at Oregon with uh, – the win the day mantra, which uh, everybody and their mother started to feel that later, but he, he brought that to Oregon. He brought a whole different regiment as far as like their nutrition and how they worked out 
and, you know, they would have uh, practices that were only an hour, hour, 15 minutes when other teams were practicing for a couple hours at least, but they would be practicing at an extremely fast pace so that they would get used to the fast pace so that when they played in the game, it was like second nature. And so he he's a very creative person, and so he creates this, this structure from the top down and it worked well at Oregon because he had the freedom to do it. He had the freedom to put the people in place that he wanted to. He had the freedom to, to make those kinds of changes as far as the practice times and how they practiced and what they ate. And, and, and everybody in Oregon bought in because they bought into the vision he, he provided. The problem with Philly, the NFL is different. Because in college, you're talking about college kids and, you know, they're on scholarship, which is great, but they're not really, you know, legally getting paid. And so they're going to listen to you because they want to go to the NFL. That's their goal. And But if you're talking about NFL players, especially the veterans who are on their second or third contract, those people have a harder time adjusting to change on that kind of structural level. Because football players, we are very routine-based. We like things the way that we like them, and we're okay making adjustments. But when you're talking about changing the way that people eat, it, it, it was hard for some of those NFL players to deal with. And plus, you're talking about Philly. This is the city where they booed Santa Claus. Like, they are a very mm-hmm. tough – tough, it's a tough city. And very so, true. of course – they love you when they're when you're winning. So when he when he came out of the game, and they did fairly well. Like they loved him. It was when they started to struggle a little bit that, of course, things went sideways. And some of the players, I think, you know, winning cures everything, but losing really shows you the flaws. And when they started losing, that's when I think things started going sideways. I think, as far as the Niners. The question I have is, again, is the front office going to allow him to be himself? Because if they allow him to put in the structure, and then I think also at the same time, I think he, he learned from some of his mistakes. He, I think he kind of learned that there's some things that he can't do with the NFL players that he could with college players. And so if you add his adjustments plus the front office giving him freedom to, to be himself, I think we could we could build something. But as far as him on his leash, I think probably as a Niner fan, if you see progress, I think he'll get up to maybe three years. But if you see it going sideways and there's no progress, uh, I think he really needs some, some progression this first year. If if we get to the point where we're like, you know, five or six wins and you can see the pieces, you know, the foundation being put together, I think people will be more patient. Um but I don't think he'll get more than three years. Um, and then if he doesn't work out, I'm answering all your questions. If he doesn't work out, I don't think he'll get another chance in the NFL. But I do think he would get a chance in a heartbeat to go back to college. So I think I think well, that's usually a soft I, zone. What did you say? I said that's usually a soft zone for any college coach. You know the the fact that they can go back to where they came from. But he had a good record in Philly. I mean, if you look at his record, I mean, 10 wins in two seasons right off the bat, made the playoffs the first year. Um, you know, so he sort of slid in in the third year with there. But, you know, that was because because of, like you said, fanfare, disappointment, and everything else. 
the front office probably felt pressured not to keep him. But every coach goes through ups and downs. Uh, I mean, a six-game, a six-win season isn't so so bad versus a three and eleven season. But in Philly, I no, guess a I, six, I, I six would game, take that. You know what I mean? I exactly. would take that. I another thing that people fan. forget. Oh, sorry. Another thing that people forget about the Philly, um, you know, uh, situation is that their secondary for a long time was just awful. So I think that really, if he had had better pieces on defense, I think you would have seen him have even more success. Well, you also have to add into the fact of is that Chip wanted a lot of control. And what he yeah. effectively did was he traded away his three best players. At Macklin, he got rid of Deshaun Jackson. He got rid of Shady McCoy for a cup of coffee and uh, Kiko Alonso, which is like a Danish. So, I mean, it's like <laughs> if you think of it, if you think about it in that respect, what he did was effectively said, this is my team, we got to do it my way, and if it doesn't work out, then that's fine. And it didn't work out, and he gambled. He put, he went all in on the table. And on one hand, you can appreciate that. On the other hand, you know, it kind of blew up on him. And I think that's actually going to bode well for him in San Francisco because they are right now devoid of a lot of those big offensive stars. You do have Tory uh, Smith and Colin Kaepernick is highly paid, but he, his star is kind of fading, and the rest of your stars are on defense. So I think that kind of right. goes well for him as far as being able to control those guys. I think, I think that's a, um, a valid point. And um, I think I think that's why it, it really it could work here in San Francisco because offensively, I think he, he'll have more control on how he wants to put it together. Or I think in Philly, that's probably why he was starting to get rid of some of those people was that they just weren't fitting into his vision of what he wanted from that offense and that team. And so, exactly. um, and, that, and, and maybe, maybe his big flaw was maybe he thought he had more time to build that structure, but that's not how the NFL works. It's, it's not like college. Right. Well, college is starting to get to the point where it's like the NFL where you don't have a lot of leash and a lot of leeway, but you do have more more control. And I think that's – I think he kind of learned from that, and um, he's not making the player moves in San Francisco um, like he was in Philly. So I think that will take some of the pressure off of that too. Um, I think it, it could work, but it's it's too early to tell. You know, I think after this, this season, then um, we'll have a better idea. I would have taken Chip Kelly over Jeff Fisher this season, just so that everybody know. I'm on record here. <laughs> Seven wins since 2012. We know how you feel about the mustache. Come on. <laughs> Seriously, come on. My God. I always have to pray to God for some reason that the, the season goes well, but with Fisher, I know I'm going to get seven wins. That's it. Seven wins. Just when do I get the seventh win? That's the frustrating part. Um, so, you know what, I'll go on my Ram rant this week, uh, because we haven't even figured out who's going to start, whether it be Goff or Keenum. It looks like Keenum's going to start. Uh, we've got Gurley looking good. We've got a, a, you know, a bunch of rookies that I really like in, in LA right now in terms of offense. And so I'm, you know, it's wait and see. I mean, he's, um, he's on uh national TV now, which I think it's HBO hard knocks. Um, so the pressures on this coach because of the return to the, you know, to the big city in Los Angeles, the pressure is on this coach to win 10 games and make the playoffs. I just don't see it. I don't know if any of you guys see it, but I just do not see it. 
His record doesn't show that he can get a team over seven wins. This division is too tough. Uh, Arizona has improved. We're just talking about San Francisco right now in terms of if Chip Kelly gets going. And Kelly, in, in the first two years of his uh, tenure in Philly, if he can do what he did in Philly and San Francisco, he literally will match up against Seattle right off the bat in terms of, you know, in terms of uh, a neck-and-neck division run. So, um, you know, I'm a diehard, but I'm also a true uh, fan, and, and I just the Fisher factor is a big factor for me. I mean, even with all the talent, um, Mike Singletary is running some of the defense. Greg Williams, uh, that'll be our backbone, I think. Offensively, we're still going to be a fluke unless, you know, Mannion shows up or they change courts with Keenum or, you know, maybe they give the, the realm to Goff. But just so much so much question marks down there. They're just on, on offense alone. It just blows your mind that you haven't made a decision about who's going to start at this point. Uh, but um, from what I hear, it's Keenum. But I'm not too high on Keenum either. So uh, I'll take Prescott if you want to trade for him in Kishi. No, <laughs> not, at, not at all. You stay right over there because you know what? When I'm really hoping that this is the year that the NFC East can return to its greatness because once upon a time we were the powerhouse division in the NFL, and I really, truly miss those glory days when you knew you were going to get at least two teams, you know, from the NFC East in the playoffs. And I and I miss that, and I'm looking forward to that return. But you know what, though? Like you said earlier, I think it was either you or Troy, we're headed back in the middle of the transition. I'm really interested to see what's going to happen in San Francisco to Holly's point about the draft and about what, you know, they've done um, – offensively and in the moves that have been made. Um, and, Troy, you were spot on, too, with your analysis about the fact that Kelly wanted the power. He said, this is my team. Win, lose, or draw, you know, it's on me. And, he, like you said, he gambled, and it didn't work. And I think I want – and that's what I was really kind of hoping to see is what's the difference between his um, all-mine, all-power, now approach that he took in Philly versus what he's doing in um, San Francisco. And is he still demanding that type of, you know, it's all me, my way, or the highway kind of approach? Because the reality is it didn't work here in D.C. for Shanahan. And in as much as I understand that coaches want to have all the power, all the control, et cetera, the last coach that I saw who truly had any success with that mentality was, um, in New York with the Giants, you know, and, you know, yes, they got two Super Bowls, but even then, you know, they still had to make changes to how uh, they operated from the top down because, you know, that mentality that Coughlin had down in Florida, he couldn't bring that to New York. So it, it's really going to be interesting this year in terms of watching the league and all the different transitions with the different teams. But uh, as far as your quarterback situation out there in L.A., don't come looking at my deck. Don't, don't, don't even think about it and, and stay away from showers because I'm holding on to both of them. I'll take, I'll take Gabrick at this point based on the disaster. Unless Goff somehow turns into Superman overnight, just didn't, I don't see it right now at this point. I mean, might be another season for him to do that. Um, so, you know, transitioning is the word. Let's transition into the hot topic for for this week, and the hot topic all over, pretty much all media. And the reason I brought 
you know, brought it up at this point because we've got different perspectives. We're going to get different perspectives in terms of myself, uh, Holly's perspective. We're going to get your perspective, Troy's perspective. Kind of give everybody kind of a, 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 you know, a view of what we're thinking in terms of just us on the outside looking in and then what he basically stated. Um, so, Holly, I'm going, to, I'm going to give the floor to you first because, uh, you know, we're, we're going to keep it in a, in a sports setting at this point because if we go political, we can literally go every different way possible. But in a sports <laughs> realm setting, how does this affect San Francisco? You know, he obviously stands up. Uh, I, have nothing, I have nothing against the fact that he sat down for the anthem. That's, that's his right. It's the right of everybody to do that if you don't feel like at that point. So it's not breaking a law or as some you know, people would be strong point to it. But the reality is he has the right to sit down. If he doesn't you know, feel like it's no big deal, then it's no big deal. But you know, the NFL has always been at this flagship mentality where you know, the anthem is a big deal at sporting events and at game day and pretty much Americana all the way across the board. So how does San Francisco deal with it? They already responded and said you know, they're obviously with him. Uh, they've responded in that aspect of it. But in a sports setting, um, you know, at this point, what, what was your view when you, when you heard the news? Well, do you want me to keep on the sports side or the political side? Because it, it, it kind of, on the sports side. I'll well, no, it's, it's a blend of both. That's what I'm saying. It, it's, <laughs> obviously, he's, he's talking politics. He's talking politics, uh, but he's using the sports platform for it. So we're not going to avoid talking politics as well because it kind of blends into the conversation. But what was your, you know, what was your so, perception in terms of you heard the news, here it is, he sits down for the anthem. Uh, I'm pretty sure you, you've read all the articles about the team response, the league response. So give us, you know, give us Holly Custis' uh, point of view in terms of when you, when you heard the news at this point. All right. Well, when I heard the news, I was kind of, I was kind of surprised, to be honest, because um, of what I know of Kaepernick, like his personality and he – he was, you know, on the way out, in my opinion, with the Niners. And to be honest, I'm, I was kind of sick of him. Like, he just, um, he had, he has this personality that it was, it was kind of grating, even when he was doing well, and even when we were winning, and even when he, w- he had like this bigger than life personality, and um, he was on in all the commercials. And you know, um, all my friends would give me a hard time about, you know, oh. Are you, you got to kiss your biceps like Kaepernick. And I'm like, no, I'm not, I, not a fan of that. Like it, it was not something I enjoyed. I liked that he played well on the field, but I really wasn't that great of a fan of his uh, personality, but I just, you know, focused on what he was doing on the field. And so from what I, you know, have seen of him over the last uh, couple of years here, he's been more quiet and it just felt to me like it came out of nowhere as far as Kaepernick is concerned. Um, as far as what he did, it's definitely relevant in, in what's going on. But I was just, I was surprised it was him, if that makes sense. And um, and so for me, I, I was surprised it was him. And then I started reading into it and figuring out what was, you know, going on. And then I was also surprised that the NFL took the stance that they did because it, it's the no fun league and they regulate everything. And then you, you, they have the, you know. Uh, uh, breast cancer awareness, but then they won't let some guys wear some things, and then they find, you know, Marshawn Lynch for not talking at press conferences. But then it was—it's just like they're just all over the place with with how they they regulate things. 
I think the way that they're they're handling it is correct. I just think it it was surprising to me because I expected them to go the other way. Um, as far as you know, Kaepernick is concerned and what he did, I totally agree in his sentiment. I just to me felt like it was the wrong way to do it, the wrong platform, the wrong situation, because I think it actually takes away from what he's trying to do. Um, and it's become this hot button topic and you have people that are just reacting to it and they're not, I, I, I don't know. It feels like he could have, he could have taken time to do something in a different direction that would have been more effective. But then at the same time, if you think about it, he did it in a way that he knew he was going to get attention. So in that way, he actually, you know, he reached his goal. I just think he alienated some people that he he didn't need to, like the military. Um, for me, I have a lot of military friends. I know, uh, you know, people have bled for that flag and, and, and you know, fought for, for, fought for that flag, you know, for, for a couple hundred years of all races and, and that means something. And so for a lot of Americans, no matter what side they, they feel like they're on of the, the racial stuff that's going on, some of them are just using him sitting down as a platform to voice their, their racist side. And that bothers me. And it, it, it's just, I feel like he, I've read some articles on some of the, the football players in the NFL that have served in the military. And I'm kind of on their side of, I totally agree with his sentiment. I don't think that was the correct way of, of voicing it. But that's just my opinion. Troy, you got, uh, let's move to you. At this point, um, my thing, like I said, I have no problem with him sitting down for the anthem because that's his right. And just like, you know, we pointed out. So uh, what's your take on when you heard the news coming out of the press and all that? Well, I think when it comes down to – um, drawing attention to whatever cause that you want to get illuminated. I think sometimes, and it, it ruffles people's feathers to do what, what Colin Kaepernick did, and there's no doubt about that. But I think sometimes what it takes is you can't sometimes just tap someone on the shoulder or, you know, post something on Twitter or Instagram I think sometimes instead of tapping someone in the shoulder, you have to hit them with a sledgehammer. And I think that's what Colin Kaepernick did. Um, I'm one, I'm not really surprised at what what he did. Um, If you follow him on Instagram and on Twitter, he's very vocal as far as what his thoughts are, as far as the the current, um, you know, climate of the, in the United States regarding racial tensions and um, how police officers are uh, are treating people in general and not just black people and, and, and brown people, people of color, et cetera, but it's also white people as well. And so I think what Colin Kaepernick did was, was to stand for that. I, I don't know if he necessarily thought that it was going to be this big. Uh, I think people are kind of getting the wrong notion with that uh, because he did sit down the first two games, just no one really noticed it. He wasn't in uniform, so no one said anything. But now that he has his platform and people wanted to come by and sit down and give a press conference about it, and he sat down, and you got to give him credit for this one. With all the fire that he's gone through, 
he stood up there and he, he made his points, and, and I think a lot of his points are very valid. And what I have done it, I, I'm not sure if I would have done it that way. I think I would have been more vocal in another way. But what he did didn't ruffle my feathers at all. As a matter of fact, what he did was draw attention to some things that I think people really didn't know. Like, for instance, um, now that he uh, protested the, the national anthem, I think, you know, people started to go back and actually look at how the na- or why the national anthem was written. And Francis Scott Key, the author of the uh, Star Spangled Banner, I think what what happened is is they found out that it was kind of that it was very racist in, in itself. And so we get caught up in this country a lot of symbolism, like flags mean something. Uh, if you put up a POW flag, that means something. If you put up a ribbon, that means something. If you put up a, you know, a, a flag with a black fist, that means something. I think we kind of get caught up in symbolisms and, and pride and, and things of that nature. And I think what happens is we miss why they're doing. It. So if someone feels like, I, and I and I, I used this analogy earlier today uh, during a discussion. So and, and I'm gonna do it really quick. In human resources, we are told that if a woman in the workplace, or man, uh, but they kind of, you know, uh, emphasize the woman aspect of it. If a woman feels like that she's being sexually harassed, it is sexual harassment. It's that simple. If she feels like she she doesn't, if she feels, uh, feels sexually harassed, then that's what it is, and they will treat it as such. But it seems like that that narrative doesn't doesn't hold water when it comes to uh, any other issues. If a black person feels like he's being discriminated against. People, you know, there are certain uh, people in society who kind of roll their eyes and say, "Hey, look, we're past that point. No, slavery, slavery no longer exists." But they can't speak from that person's perspective because they aren't dealing with that same issues. And I will say the same thing about women because a lot of times out here, people, you know, when they talk about sexual harassment, they'll come back and they'll roll their eyes and say, "Oh man, come on, listen, she wears this in the office, she wears that," but that's not that's that's completely irrelevant. If she feels like that she's being, you know, sexually harassed, that's what it is. But I go with that aspect. And so I think what what's happening is is that people have, um, as Holly said, and I completely agree with you, is that what, what, what he has effectively done is open the floodgates on both sides. You have a lot of people who are racist who are looking for a reason to come out and say racist comments. They're doing that, and it, it, it has caused a divide. But I think in the end of it, even if there are people who come out and they say racist statements, there are people who look at what Colin Kaepernick did, and he's opened a lot of eyes as far as, listen, what really is going on in this country is not right. And there are people who have changed their minds on that. And I think, to me, that's the more important aspect of it. Yeah, I think I agree. I mean, and you have to take into account, I think, a lot of it uh, – he came out and said it was oppression. I don't. I wouldn't call it oppression because that's kind of very harsh. But I would call it harassment in a lot of sense because you have certain communities and certain cities across the country, uh, within you know within the governmental aspect of things that things could be done better. You know, uh, including policing could be better. The the cities themselves could take a, a stance in terms of you know a crime that is a, you know happens to everybody in general. But you know a lot of times it happens. Uh, you know, like traffic stops, for example, would be a situation where the majority of it, depending on your area or city that you live in, could be more constant towards a black person than it is to any other uh, person. And so we don't see that. And to your point, Troy, 
uh, with the harassment, it's pretty, a pretty good example of that. That's a pretty example. It's black and white. It's, it's straightforward. It needs to be addressed. Uh, I think he brought it up in that sense. On a military aspect of it, uh, I mean, we have people in this country that, would, that like to burn the flag. And to me, flag burning represents just total racial hate. You know, you have to burn the flag to kind of make your statement that's going overboard. You know what I mean? That's just way overboard. Um, if you want to make a statement, you need to you need to make it in a different light. I mean, he used this platform, and, uh, you know, I, I thought it was, like I said, I have no beef against him for sitting down against the anthem. Uh, it's his right. It's not a law that you have to stand up for the anthem. Um, and, and so at this point, he's bringing attention to – something like you said, Tori, something that is very passionate for him that he's, that he's watched, you know, in the media, like all of us have watched, there's certain uh, areas of the country that have either deteriorated in terms of that aspect of it, which is the policing over, over policing and all that stuff. Uh, but I mean, the average, I think the average American, uh, you know, I, I, overall, I don't think there's oppression in the, in the country, but there is hotbeds all over the country that could be improved uh, to your point, Troy, by doing things better, you know, addressing the issue, uh, making some sort of progress with it, um, and making a point of it. Uh, and Kishi, what's your thoughts? Well, um, it's a kind of a combination of everyone's. Um, I know that this is something that I have been watching, paying attention to quietly. Um, and like Troy said, it isn't like he just sat for the first time. He's been sitting, you know, he, he just, he wasn't trying to make us, he wasn't saying, Hey, look at me. I'm ignoring it. I'm ignoring it. He wasn't, you know, he was something he was doing quietly for himself. It wasn't so he didn't do that. Why? You know, because I don't think if anyone had asked, if no one had said anything to him, I don't think he would have said anything about it, and he just would have gone on about it very little way. I also agree with what Troy said in terms of people really haven't paid attention to Colin Kaepernick in terms of he's always been, like Troy said, he's always been outspoken. He's always addressed social issues. You know, he's talked about his tattoos and how his tattoos have biblical references and symbolic meanings. And, you know, the other thing that a lot of people may or may not know is that Colin Kaepernick is a member of Kappa Alpha Psi um, Fraternity Incorporated. And um, as a member of Kappa Alpha Psi, he and his fraternity have long been associated and members of the fraternity have long been associated with um, political and social justice. Um, You know, there are a great number of famous members of this fraternity who have made statements along the way and people who you may not even have known, you know, are members. You've got, you know, Anandia um, Asamoah, who's a member. Uh, my dad's line. My dad is a member, and his lo- his line brother is Lynn Barney, who's you know in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Um, you know there are so many other political and social leaders um, and athletes. Bill Russell, you know, um, Wilt Chamberlain, members who have made statements, stood up on behalf of and addressed these social issues. And I'm just using the um, athletes because you know I'm trying to keep the references to sports. But here's the thing about the flag. Um, 
is it that he wasn't standing up for the flag or he also wasn't standing up during the singing of the national anthem? Because the flag and the national anthem are two different symbols. The national anthem is a song. The flag is the flag of the United States. So, you know, and, and, and again, I'm just saying that because now we wave the flag during the singing of the national anthem, but a lot of people have been talking about, oh, you don't stand for the national anthem and the singing, oh, you didn't stand for the flag. When a, the, actually, the national anthem didn't become the national anthem until 1931, and that, you know, and that was signed into law by Herbert Hoover. Um, because depending on what area of the country you were in, depending on which song you sang, you know, a lot of people say my country tis of thee. So, again, it's an opportunity for learning and awareness. The other thing that I want to say is in reference to, you know, sports and politics and what Troy is, you know, was also alluding to and, and saying is, and you've even said it, that just because something is an issue doesn't mean it's always an issue for someone else. So I'm going to give you this analogy. My son is playing football. Yay, I'm so proud of him. And um, all last week, at the beginning of the week, he kept complaining about his foot was hurting. And I'm like, okay, buttercup, suck it up. You know, you're playing football. I had calluses. It's just your cleats, blah, blah, blah. And he kept saying, Mom, you know, it's hurting and his and I looked at it, and his foot was starting to swell, and I'm feeling it, and there was something hard in his foot. And I'm like, okay, it's a callus. We'll put something on it. We'll get it better. Well, I told his coach, I said, you know, hey, how did he look today? You know, he's limping around the house. Oh, he was running around. He was fine. I'm like, okay, so he's fine here, but he's limping here. How do I trust what he's saying? And I'm like, but I'm seeing it. And I, I said, you know, coach, come look at his foot and tell me what you think. Does this look like anything you've seen? I don't know. So my mommy instincts kicked in, and I take him to the podiatrist last week. And we go to the podiatrist, and she said, oh. And I said, well, what does oh mean? She said, um, he's got a wart. And I'm like, yeah, but that's inside his foot. Aren't warts supposed to be on the outside? She said, well, if he had a crack in his um, skin, you know, and have you been anyplace public? I'm like, well, yeah, we were at the swimming pool. She's like, okay, well, that's where you got it. She said, well, if he had any kind of crack in his skin, then the virus got inside. And I'm like, oh, well, what are we going to do? She said, i got to cut it out. So my son is, like, terrified. He's crying. He's screaming. He's kicking. He's hollering. He's like, no, 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 no. And I said, why aren't you going to let her cut it out? He said, because I'm more terrified of the pain for what you've got to cut out of me. And she had to dig in there and scoop it out, and now we've got to go to several more treatments. I tell this story to make the analogy that racism, hatred, injustice, police brutality, um, unequal in, uh, um, funding for education, for opportunities, systemic racism, systemic injustice, all of these things are the internal warts of this country. And sometimes it affects us, and sometimes it doesn't. And just like my son's coach, you're fine. It's not bothering you. You know, people telling um, people of color and African Americans, you're fine. So what? Racism is over. It's over. Get over it. But the child is hobbling. Okay, maybe it's not hurting him right now. But other times it's just crippling pain. And just like my son who didn't want to have it cut out because he was more terrified of the pain to get it cut out 
This country is terrified of the pain of having to cut out the ugliness because we've got to dig in deep to get it out. And it ain't going to happen overnight. It isn't going to happen in one treatment. And we've got to be willing to suck it up, buttercup, and go through this pain of facing this ugliness so we can fix it and we can heal, whether it's on the sports field, whether it's on any other field. And for all of those individuals who have called Colin Kaepernick out his name, who have called him every single racial slur that is hideous and horrible, telling him that he should suck it up because he makes money, suck it up because they're suck it up inward because somebody is over there fighting and dying for your right to sit. For every single one of those horrible human beings, there's an African American or a person of color soldier who died for your right to insult him. Not how I see Fantastic analogy. Fantastic. I really, I really, really like that analogy. I think that's really accurate. I think, um, you know, it's absolutely true. And I think I get, I was getting really upset listening to some of the the um, national pundits talk about, you know, oh, like he doesn't understand he's biracial, or oh, he was adopted. And I'm like, why? That doesn't matter at all. Why? Why does that matter? Why does it matter that he makes, you know, as an NFL contract? It doesn't matter at all. I think my only caveat with, with Kaepernick is that I, you know, I personally know a lot of African-American vets, and I'm, I'm thinking there's a lot of African-American vets that have died for that flag too, you know. So that, that's my only problem with Kaepernick sitting is, is is the veterans that have paid the price who are also of color too, so that's why I feel like he could have maybe, but again, it's hard because it's really hard when you're in the moment to really take yourself out of the moment to see the perspective of what he's doing. But I think in the long run, it, it's actually going to be something we look back and it's going to be beneficial. But in the short term, it's hard because you just hear all the negative people from left and right and it's really, I like that analogy because I think that that's kind of what he did is he, he you know, went for that treatment in the foot and, and, and there are a lot of people out there that didn't know that that existed. So maybe maybe him sitting, even though um, the military part bothers me a little bit, maybe it's necessary. He never said he was against the military, you know. That's the other thing. He never said he was against the military. He's talking about on a national level. He never said he's against the military. He never said anything against, you know, oh, I hate white people or any of those other things. And, oh, one other point, for everyone who's talking about how much money he makes, the reality is the 90% of the people who join and support and work in administrative positions and nonprofit organizations tend to be people who have money, and the reason why they can work in these low-paying jobs is because they have money to supplement their ability to fight for the causes that matter to them. So just because he has money does not absolve him of his responsibilities for social justice or change. In fact, his ability to have money should demand that he give more and do more. Nobody complains when Bill Gates gives thousands and millions of dollars in aid to foreign countries or to inner city schools or to low impoverished children because he's making a difference. So why is him having money and what he chooses to stand for any different than him trying to make a difference and make a change? It's an easy poke. 
that's just an easy poke. It's really what it is. I, I mean, Holly's point is correct. Uh, if you take away the overall picture, whether he's a professional athlete, whether he's an activist, uh, you know, the, the easy way to do is to poke fun at somebody's uh, wealth, uh, background, but the, the issue still stands at this point. We still have the same issue. I mean, at, the, at this point, he said oppression. I just think it's a strong word, but hate would be the, the word that we need to look at. And I think he brought it to light. It, uh, I mean, we are in a political realm right now in this country uh, where I don't know if you guys, you know, you guys feel the same way, but we have two uh, awful candidates. <laughs> we don't have much choice. You either go one side or the other. Uh, all of them have equal faults. Uh, it's not like one squeaky clean than the other. And so, you know, we have a lot of things that are, that have come to the forefront. Um, I think his sports platform has just addressed it, like, to Troy's point. It, it got heightened a lot more because, you know, the NFL is more visible. Uh, he's an athlete. He plays on a, on a big stage platform. Um, you know, if it would have been addressed by anybody else, it would have been probably a sidebar in the media or on social media. It would have been just one of these articles that you either come across or you don't come across. But because he's front and center and because he's, you know, decided to make a stand, and he has a right for that. I mean, uh, you know, our, our, our laws uh, allow him to speak up. And, um, you know, anybody disagrees with him, whether it be us here, don't feel the same way, whether it be the military people. Uh, I have military um, you know, cohorts that do not feel the same way because, like Holly says, they feel like obviously he was somehow disrespecting the flag, uh, which I, I just don't think it went that far. I just r- reality is he stood up, he sat down basically for to bring attention to something that is happening. It is constant and it needs to be addressed across the board in this country. Like I said, it, it starts with the cities, each individual city, each individual council, each individual government, each individual state. Uh, I mean, I I. I don't know what else to do, but at this point, just address the fact that he made a good stance. I think it, it, he'll continue to do the stance. That's what he said. Um, he said he's going to sit down until something changes, until he feels that something has changed. Um, you know, it could be uh, past the election when we get a new president in, um, you know, whoever it's going to be, and maybe they start making some, you know, social changes as well and make make endros that way. Um, but I mean, I, all of you guys made a good point. I, I think we all made some good points on it. It's, it, it is a worrisome state because, uh, to your analogy, uh, in Kishi, uh, you know, to go through surgery, uh, as your point is, it's the same concept here. We're, we're somewhat scared to either address it or to try to, you know, try to confront it, uh, because we're like looking at the worst case scenario and in reality, it, it isn't going to be that, that the issue is just the, the road to get there is what everybody sometimes fears. Uh, um, so honestly, I think it's just, it, it is something that is front and center. It is reality. Uh, it needs to be addressed. And, you know, the, our politicians do such disservice. There's so many politicians that do a disservice in terms of certain communities that could do a better job, but they just don't do it because sometimes they, you know, political barriers um, you, you stand on one side or the other instead of being unified and saying, hey, we need to fix this. This is the right thing to do. You know, forget the parties, but let's fix this. Uh, so that's the mindset. You know, when you're on the battlefield, I tell everybody, uh, when, we go to, when we go to combat or you go to war, okay, you don't turn around and go, he's black, he's Hispanic, he's gay. You don't turn around and do that. <laughs> it's a human being next to you, and that guy's got your back. 
And I think that's the point here. The point is, you know, uh, he feels like something needs to be done, and he addressed it in a sports platform, and now it's up to us, individuals, as well as everybody else, you know, in the country, uh, to either voice our discomfort, agree with it, or disagree with it. But that's all right under this country. And so, I, like I said before, I, you know, he can sit because that's his right to, to the anthem. Um, so, I mean, anybody that's pissed about that, I mean, you can sit if you don't want to, you know, salute the uh, or do the anthem as well. So it's not a requirement or it's not a law. So um, I want to read this. I want to read this tweet that I found a long time ago, and I've always thought it was humorous, but tonight I think it's applicable. Um, the writer is goes by at Buttercup underscore B. So this is not my quote, so I'm not going to take credit for something I didn't write. But um, this person tweeted. Being black in America is exhausting. Y'all want us to sing, dance, play football, run fast, be your target practice, and be quiet. And I just thought that was so powerful in light of, you know, everything that's been going on, because that's exactly what some of the people have said to Colin Kaepernick. Shut up, sit down, be quiet, and just play football you don't get to have an opinion. And I appreciate what um, D. Smith said, president of the NFL Players Association, when he said that's irrational and it's unrealistic and it's also disingenuous to the players to reduce them to being two-dimensional figures like your Madden game as opposed to respecting that these are human beings just like us and they're entitled and have a right to being human and having their own thoughts, feelings, and opinions. And it's disingenuous on us as fans to reduce them to literally nothing more than some figures on a Madden game. Now, of course, D. Smith didn't say all of that. I'm summarizing some of what he said as well as mixing in some of my own thoughts, but he's absolutely right. Well, you know, and we we treat the sports realm uh, as an avenue to get away from things. And when politics come into play, you get so passionate about the fact that you don't want to hear about politics. So you try to sway from that. And I think that's where some of the negative came from. You know, it's easy to go that route uh, because you're not used to having that, um, you know, on a sports I think, I think I like that quote by um, uh, the NFL Players Association guy because it's accurate. And um, I've had my own thoughts sometimes about, hey, like, because I'm a very passionate person when it comes to, you know, social justice issues as well. And I've had to, like, sit there and think, should I really post something like this? You know, because in today's world with the media and the social media platforms, a lot of athletes have to be very careful about what they're saying. And you have, you know, coaches in college that use social media as a tool to really judge somebody's character before they recruit them to college. And so it, it's tough. So I do. I, I do totally um, applaud Kaepernick for having that voice because I think that's accurate and that we, we tend to want to have these athletes as our entertainment and we get upset when they get outside of that, that realm of entertainment and we forget that they're human beings and they have their own opinion. So um, I want to know what you guys think about like how we're going to view this in a couple of years. Is it going to be an historical event like when Muhammad Ali didn't go to Vietnam or is this going to be something that's just going to be 
a blimp in the radar? Um, I, I, honestly, I think, um, I, I think it, it, it depends on what Kaepernick and what other people who base this off of what Colin Kaepernick has uh, uh, has done, what they do. And, and I'll give you an example. Um, there have been certain people who have come out recently, typically, I guess, toe the line. They don't go on one side or the other. They just kind of report the news. I'll give you an example. Um, what Stan Verrett said. I don't know if you guys saw this, but I posted this on, on my Facebook page. But what Stan Verrett says was, you know, I honestly don't think people really understand how long this has been going on. He said, my father served in the Navy, and when he got out, he wasn't afforded the same rights as anyone else who retired from it. You know, my mom was a valedictorian in Louisiana. She couldn't, no one would give her a job because of, um, you know, segregation around that time. And when you look at that, those are the people who have raised us. And then we, in turn, have taken on some of those some of those battles as well. And, you know, it's a little bit different than it is today. I mean, today. And, you know, when you hear people come out and they tell those stories, I mean, and you're hearing this from a, you're hearing this from a guy who typically doesn't come out and say things like that, it kind of makes you get hard, like, wait a minute. So if this happened to this guy's parents, and he's a very successful person, and then you have more people that are coming out and saying, yeah, you know what, this happened to me, this happened to me, this happened to me, you kind of start getting, you stop, you know, you want to, you're going to see people stop the narrative of saying, stop complaining, it's not as rampant as you say it is, when people come out and they give a multitude of examples of how they have, uh, you know, encountered injustice in, in this country. And just like with Muhammad Ali, what he dealt with is when, you know, he was stripped of his title, he was put in prison, he had to go to the Supreme Court, he won, he came back and he fought and then he won. Um, I think that's part of the reason why Muhammad Ali was, you know, so, you know, beloved and, and, and heralded is because he came back and he won it, whether someone wants to admit that or not. Him winning in sports had a lot to do with that. Now, if Colin Kaepernick never plays a down in the NFL, I think some of this will start to go away unless you have other people that carry the torch for it. And the NFL you know, community like, is, is pretty vocal at this point on both sides. you got players that are with them, and you got players that are obviously on the opposite side, which is the, mili- the, you know, the military stance as well. So, you know, you got both sides. But I really think I'm hoping that because he brought, he brought this to light, hopefully he's able to take it to another level, which is, you know, uh, work within the realm of making things better. Like in Kishi says, you know, put a platform together to where you go to uh, crucial areas that you can show progress and improvement in that aspect of it. So, I, I mean, you have to applaud him for at least standing up and bringing the issue forefront on a national spectrum. And I agree too that, you know, we, we will judge history is always judged in the afterthought, not in the present. So, you know, Juan Carlos, Tommy Smith, Muhammad Ali, Jim Brown, all of these individuals took a stance. They stood up for what they believed in, and they caught hell for it. It's only years later when the impact doesn't affect us in the immediacy that we're able to idolize to some degree with reverence 
the impact of what they've done. But the reality is the only people who are idolizing it are the people who demonized it at the time. You know, how soon we forget. That's a real quote because it's only through the eyes of age and wisdom and hindsight is twenty twenty that people can appreciate and value. Something else of importance that Troy said was that Muhammad Ali came back and won. And Holly said this earlier about Chip Kelly and winning. When you're winning, everybody loves you. So the reality is if Kaepernick wants to shut down some of these critics, he's going to have to go out there and ball his butt off. He's going to have to get an opportunity to start ball and lead his team back to a Super Bowl. Just like, and I hate to use this analogy because I'm a diehard animal lover, but everybody was literally ready to build 50 prisons on top of Michael Vick for killing dogs. And some people will still never forgive him, and that's fine. Other people were willing to say he's paid his dues, and once he started winning again, and even in as crazy a city as it is, Philadelphia was even willing willing to accept him. You know, we had Ben Roethlisberger with uh, his sexual assault cases, but nobody's mentioning those anymore because they quietly went away because, what, he came back and started winning. So it's something really crazy in society that we – that happens when people start winning again. We stop looking at why we hated you because you've given us a reason to love you. I think that's very, very accurate. And I think one of the reasons why is because when you win, you stay relevant. And and so, you know, Big Ben stayed relevant because he was winning and Michael Vick came back and, and did good things. And, and um, I think that's totally accurate. It's kind of sad in a way that that's, what it is, but Completely I think agree. in a society that um, you know it, it's what what have you done for me lately type of society. I think that that's what it is. It kind of makes me sad a little bit, but it's true. No, it's absolutely it, it's true. Moral, right. It's 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 really uh, sometimes you get to that stage where uh, you know you out of sight, out of mind. Uh, and then you get to the point where you totally forget something. You know, we got an earthquake in Italy a week ago, and I'm pretty sure it was just a, a hashtag mentality, and that's what we live. That's the world we live in. We live in a hashtag mentality moment, and then all of a sudden we forget. You know, Orlando mm-hmm. just happened like, what, 90 days ago? You know, France yeah. just happened like so many weeks ago. You know what I mean? Uh, all these yep. things are happening within weeks' time, and we, we, you know, we stood up, we stand up, and then we – we do hashtags and we do all these things and then all of a sudden it just, things just, just disappear and never get fixed or never get improved or things just don't, you know what I mean? It just, it's short, short-sighted. I think we live in a short-sighted world that we don't see the longer picture of it. Um, but the issue yeah. still exists. You know, we're, we're talking about it right here. I mean, the issue still exists uh, to Nkishi's point. It still hasn't gone away. Right. It might've, you know, curved down to a point where it's acceptable in certain aspects of the country, but in certain parts of the country it's still a hotbed and if you think that's you know oh, yeah. if you don't think that's, that's happening then you're, you're literally a fool because <laughs> mm-hmm. you know Absolutely. things are still in certain areas they're still you know either as hot as they were before or even worse and it's all it all has to do with economics and it has to do with you know non-structure uh, it has to do with you know city governments states and, i mean all that stuff takes into effect on you know the people themselves and uh, you know the upbringing, like Troy was saying, you you come from a certain background. You, the expectations are there, but the history cannot be erased. You can never erase history. You know it's just the way it is. You can refer to it, 
And that sets you back to the point where, you know, maybe triggers your brain and say, okay, we have to do better. And so uh, I, I really enjoyed the conversation. I hope that Kaepernick, you know, takes it to a different level. He's got, he's at this point, he's a bullseye. Uh, and that's what I want. I want to end the point here at this point. So uh, Troy, I'll, I'll give you the platform here. If he gets cut, Troy, and uh, Ray, uh, I mean, Glazer has said, if he gets cut, um, at this point from the Niners for whatever, you know, for obviously physical reasons and you can't play. And, and even NFL players have said it, you know, vocally that, you know, you, the NFL just doesn't, isn't just going to cut you because, you know, you're making a protest, you're doing something political. It's just because you can't perform on the field. So if he gets cut, what are the, what are the issue of ramifications here for him? I mean, he got backlash for standing, for sitting down and not, you know, not doing that, but what's going to happen when we get the news says uh, Callan Kaepernick is no longer on the roster. Um, so, Troy, let's well, start with you. Well, what will happen is, is that there will be teams out there that want a quarterback, and what he's effectively done was trim that list down. Um, there's, there is a shortage mm-hmm. of NFL quarterbacks. Let's just be honest about it. But there are also mm-hmm. teams that do not, number one, have the leadership, or number two, the fan base that will stand up for that. Oh, again, I'll give you an example. Um, let's just say – if for whatever reason Dallas or Houston or um, I'll say Atlanta or, you know, one of those teams like that that needed a quarterback, I don't think that will fly. You, you're not going to be able to do that in a state like Texas. You're not going to be able to do Heck that in a state no. like Georgia and, and get away with that. I mean, because let's just be honest, in the, in, the, in the South, there is a deep, deep pride for America. It's a deep pride for the flag. But there are going to be places. There, he's going to have some suitors. And they'll grab them up pretty quick. They'll do their due diligence, and they'll sit down and they'll have a talk with them, and they'll see where his head is at and how, and they'll say, you know, well, listen, we understand that you have a stance on this, you have a stance on that, but there's certain things that we want to make sure if we do bring you in that you aren't going to do because we don't want you to be a distraction. And I think most teams will be honest with that. I don't think, you know, these guys are not going to sugarcoat that. But I think what he, will, what he has done was shorten his list of teams that he could possibly go to just because of the stance. Okay, can I jump in on this one right after Troy? Um, I just because I'm yeah only because I might forget. So to piggyback on what Troy said, he may have shortened his list, but Minnesota just cracked the whip right open with Teddy Bridgewater going out with an ACL, and right now they really don't have anybody that that they have that I think can really be that backup quarterback. And I agree with you that they're going to have the conversation, they're going to have the due diligence and the whole kit and caboodle. But he's also said he's willing to say, okay, if this is it, this is it. So, um, and, but you're right, if he does go to a team, I hate to be stereotypical, but I very seriously doubt it will be a Southern team because, you know, um, even Tim Tebow with all his, you know, Christianity and, you know, and, 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 and holiness, you know, couldn't even get another shot. And he's, you know, not a bad guy. He's got no, you know, stains or stigmas, which also, by the way, Colin Kaepernick really didn't have any stains or stigma. There's no baby mama drama. There's no off-the-field records. There's no fights. There's no getting drunk in bars. There's none of that negative behavior that has been associated well, I, with other players. I wouldn't players. say that. I, I okay. wouldn't say that. But he did, well, he did I know steal he, Alden I, Smith's girlfriend. Okay, yes, I know about all Okay, yes, he did steal. Well, have you looked? Okay, I'm just going to be honest. Look at Alden Smith. 
I'm gonna look at I'm gonna look at Kaepernick. I'm going team Kaepernick all day, every day, and twice on Sunday. Have you seen that body? Good lord. I'm, well, that's so. yeah, but you're you're speaking from a woman's perspective. I'm talking about yes, from a yes, teammate's I perspective. Am. There are rules to this. There are rules. You do not do that to your teammate. So that's another you can't thing prove that, that he stole the girl. Concept. You can't prove that he stole the girl, Derek Smith. <laughs> They're waiting for Kaepernick to show up, and Kaepernick didn't show up. That's proof enough. So <laughs> there's a reason. There, this, 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 this was a long going thing, and he still with the girl, by the way. So okay, I just want to point out that Alden Smith is the guy that went through the airport security and said he had a bomb. I mean, who who wants to do that guy? Right. I'm, I'm just saying it was probably not that difficult Thank for you, her Holly. to leave. Thank All you, Holly. Because she probably, Thank she's probably you. wondering when he's going to go to jail. Right. My, oh, which, wow. which, which time? Which time? Which time? He was crazy. So I'm telling you, the Niners fan, so that man had a drama every other week. So, so right. let me ask you this question. Wow. A guy, a, guy, a guy who would do that, right, a guy who would go to an airport and say he has a bomb, would that make you less likely to steal his girlfriend or more likely? I'm just, I'm That's just. That's a point too. <laughs> That's a <valid> point too. <laughs> All the script is nuts. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was good. I like that. That was good counter. That was good counter, Holly. That was awesome. Oh my god. He'll get some shots though. Oh, that was good. Oh, that was good. Um. Where were we at? I, I'm trying. I'm trying to forget uh, about Olden Smith. Um, <laughs> let's focus, focus, people. Um, uh, and Kishi, no, I, I guess, uh, or actually, Holly, I'll give you the platform. If he gets cut, uh, if he gets cut um, at this point, uh, let's say he lets he gets let go. I mean, uh, what's what's the issue with him? What kind of backlash is he going to get then? Loser didn't was always a loser. Is that what you're going to hear on the? On the uh, social media well, platforms. I think, I think, uh, yeah. If he gets cut, I, you know, I think a team would would pick him up. But I think um, that uh, you guys are right in that it was he kind of cut down the list of, of teams. And um, but he has talent. It my my biggest disappointment in Kaepernick on on the football side is that he seemed to really just. Yet I don't know how to articulate it. Maybe apathetic, or at least it felt like it was apathy. And that I don't know. Like the 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 first year he came out when when Alex Smith got hurt, and he came out he came out on fire, and you could see like the the passion when he was playing. Like it did, you could feel it, and I I got on board with it. And then like you know the following year was was still pretty solid, and then something happened. I don't know if it was the internal stuff that was going on in the organization, but he was just not the same player. Like he not only was making awful decisions, it just didn't seem like he really wanted to be there. And so maybe in the long run, if he gets cut, it might actually be a good thing for him because I think on the football side, he needs a fresh start because I think, I think he's doomed. He wanted to be out of, San Francisco anyway. He wanted to be traded. That didn't happen because they couldn't find anything for him. And, you know, that might be an indicator right there. Maybe the, the price wasn't right or maybe the interest wasn't high enough. But um, he wanted out of San Francisco anyway. So I was really surprised that, you know, I was kind of interested to see, like, oh, if he plays, is he really going to want to be here? 
because he he just said he wanted to leave. So, in my opinion, I was really disappointed with him on that. Um, but as I think far you're as what speaking, people will say, I think you're speaking for the uh, San Francisco fan base pretty well, right there. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, that's there. what we feel. Like it, he come, he came that first like half the season. He he was. I was really excited about him, and I was not excited about his kissing the bicep thing. But I was excited about him as a player, and I was. It just something happened. I don't know if it was mental. I don't know. If people were in his ear that weren't good, that gave him bad advice. I, I don't know if it was the coaching. I don't know, but some he's completely different. Like his decision, make, there's a reason why he got benched. It was awful for a while. Like I was watching it, and I was like, this is not the same player. But um, as far as what people will say, yeah, like like we've been saying before. Unfortunately, in our society, if you win, that helps people forget. Um, but at the same time, you would hear people saying, oh, yeah, he, he's a loser, et cetera, et cetera. But I think if he got an opportunity and performed well, then then it would, it would take care of itself. It, it's just so hard to tell because, like we've been saying, historical pers- perspective, you can't get it until you're out of the moment. So it's really hard to tell right. until you're out of the moment. Well, he's claimed that if he doesn't play football, he doesn't give a crap at this point, mind my French, and the endorsements don't bother him, and the money he's getting don't bother him. But I will tell you, it will bother him at some point. <laughs> so yeah. making that amount of money as a football player, uh, we can talk to you, Holly, about it, because obviously you're not making $19 million, no. and if it's guaranteed a certain, certain no, amount of money, his lifestyle isn't going to change if he gets off the <laughs> roster tomorrow. You know what I mean? No. It's like I understand, I understand his strong stance on that, and I think that's valid, and, and he has some guts there to say, hey, you know what? I'm standing for the greater good, and if I don't get an endorsement, I don't, get, I don't play football, whatever. Uh, so I, I got to give him credit for that because that's, you know, that's being out there and bold about it. Um, and Kishi, you know, the fan base, is, as Holly was pointing out right now, in terms of a PR aspect of it, because you're in PR, um, you hear the news, he sits down, and then all of a sudden you get all this media frenzy. Um, so you're the Niner PR woman. What, what, what was going through your head? At first, I didn't even notice it. And then I said, oh, interesting, he's sitting down. And again, I think that if the media had not said something, I certainly would not have said anything. Um, but I probably would have spoken to him prior to letting – the media talk to him in the locker room because the reality is that's their locker room. And I know that people have to do presses and the whole kit and caboodle, but what I like about what the NBA does is they let them go in the locker room. They let them change. They let them shower, which buys time. Now I do not do spin. I don't like spin. That's just a dirty word in my vocabulary. However, that does not mean that I cannot buy time to carefully communicate with you so that I am clear on what you're going to say. Not because I'm going to control what you say. I just need to be prepared on what you're going to say so that I can then prepare what the organization's response will be. I don't want to be caught off guard with my pants down. I need to know. And unfortunately, I don't know if they have time to do that. And Kishi, so let's go PR with you then. Uh, Let's say you release him tomorrow. As Jake Glazer has pointed in Point of said that he's probably going to get released at some point. 
So if you get if okay. he gets released tomorrow, how how is how are you coming out in terms of a team aspect in terms of PR? Because <laughs> people are going to say, well, you got rid of him because he's he was p- politically standing up for some you know for a political stance, and all of a sudden you guys oust him. Which in reality it well, probably wasn't so- the case because if you know if we go to football terms, uh, it could be a situation where he's no longer valid right. to play the game, or he's his injuries are too right. too much that he needs to sit out a year or something like that in terms of you know right. his capabilities. But you know, you know, the fans on. are going to take it where somebody's going to be happy then about it, or other people are going to be like, "Hey, that's wrong." Right. Then that's what you focus on. You come to you first. You talk to him, and you say, "Here are the charts. Here are the stats. Here's the data. Here's the figure. Here's what's going to happen." And you know, right now, based on your based on your desire to and uh, requesting a trade. And over the summer prior to this incident and the other external physical aspects, we just think it's better that we at this time part ways with you. Um, we will not release it to the public. We will sit down with you. Let's discuss. Would you like to do a joint conversation? Would you like us to announce first or would you like to announce, you know, kind of a thing? And we'll talk it out. But one thing you have to do, you have to lead with the fact that at this particular time, the San Francisco 49ers um, have decided to part ways with Colin Kaepernick. We wish him the best. He's a talented quarterback. Thank you for all that you've done in terms of service. But at this time, Colin has clearly expressed for some time his unhappiness with the club. In addition to his physical limitations, we just think it's better we go in a different direction. Bam. Bam. No. All right. I, I will, so, I will uh, say hashtag this. Kaepernick, if uh, you guys want to go ahead. I will. I will say this: ahead, um, uh, the 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 49ers uh, coaching staff is not doing their PR firm um, or their PR people a lot of. Uh, they're not giving them a lot of help because I mean, just like today, uh, Eric Mangini, who's their defensive coordinator, came out and said, "I don't see how Kaepernick will be released because he's the second. He's at least in, he's the top in the top two quarterbacks that we have on the roster." So it's like, well, that's okay, why you stopped them from talking. That, <laughs> That's what I was about to say. So it's like you gotta you gotta have everybody in cahoots with that one, and that and that that horse is already oh, out yeah, the bar for sure. So so if they do cut him, for sure. But I think what they're going to do is that uh, this game playing Gafford is not playing. So Kaepernick is getting right. he's going to be starting the game, and I think he's going to be playing the first two quarters. And I, I think what's going to end up happening is is if he goes out there and he looks efficient, it's going to be kind of hard to justify cutting him at that point. Now if he goes out there and stinks it up. Then, then you have your justification right there. And that's why right. I said it'll it's be all about what he puts based. on the field. Yep, it'll right. be performance-based. So, Holly, um, I don't know if you want to stick around. We're going to be talking legends before we get out of here. we got uh, 20 minutes. We've got to talk legends football before we get out of here, legends cup. Uh, if you want to stick around, great. If not, let me know, and then we'll, as they say, cut you off at the uh, radio end of it thing. Coming in uh, and, and being part of this forum and, this huge topic that obviously is mainstream and we really wanted to get everybody, you know, to, to give their opinion. So um, I applaud everybody for giving out their opinion. And then, you know, the, the, ram- the ramifications of it, like we talked about, it's not going to be felt until um, a year from now, two years from now, or 10 years from now, we won't know the, ram- you know, what it's going to matter at this point for that. But um, so we have, you know, we have to applaud him for at least standing up for what he believes in because that's his right. And so we hope that he doesn't get cut and he does perform well, 
um, because that'll just add a little bit more fuel to his message. So, um, so Holly, you want to stick around? I just have a dinner that I have on the table, but I um, very <laughs> much appreciate you guys letting me uh, talk on this um, uh, subject. And, you know, it, I think you're absolutely right. It's something that's going to be interesting to see what comes of it. Because it's one thing to have an event, but it's really another thing to see what the ramifications of that event are. So it'll be interesting to see. Awesome. So, Holly, I hope you, uh, your rehab goes better, and it's obviously on point at this point to return uh, to the field with some Majestics. And um, we appreciate you coming in today and making the time and uh, putting in your uh, thoughts as well in terms of a 49er uh, fanatic and also, as you know, just on a political view, too, within the sports realm, which we wanted to get across to the audience today. So really appreciate it. Uh, looking forward to another chat with you and then uh, Majestic season coming up. In the meantime, uh, really wish you well with the rehab. All right. Thank you very much. Have a great rest of your night. All right, LB. All right, enjoy your dinner. Thank you. Good night. Take Bye. care, Holly. Bye. Bye. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, so, in Kishi, uh, we'll talk legends right now. Uh, Troy, got Western Conference, the Eastern Conference, um, Viewing is not going to be on until this coming week on Saturday, and I'm pretty sure the Legends will be on there uh, the week after. But um, given a chance to uh, um, to do that, um, you called it. Uh, you've been calling it all season, but let's just do Western Conference right now because that's what we needed to do. Uh, you you said uh, Brace was coming into the game. If if they were good, Seattle was going to just basically take over, and uh, so they did. They come in and. Dallas somehow just uh, with the Victoria Thomas incident that happened, you know, uh, with the pulling of the hair on Brent Renda there at the end. That was the, literally wow, the wild script for the week. And that was just I don't, over the top. Um, I got a lot of fanfare from our web, our page, uh, you know, on the rules and everything else. And I keep telling everybody uh, this really is, is no rules league technically. It's the opposite of the NFL. You know, it, 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 this is the fun league, the ladies' fun league. And so, you know, uh, late hits, uh, crushing blows to the sides, I mean, you name it, you get it. And so um, I don't know what happened there, but I, I'm told from everybody that she obviously had a shoulder injury, and that's why she had it wrapped around her. And when she went on to the tackle, uh, I'm told that uh, to get up, Renda actually elbowed, elbowed her to a point where, obviously, if it's tender on the side or whatever. So she took offense to it and then just started just literally dragging her by the hair. So uh, that's what I gather from everybody that was in attendance. So, uh, you know, right or wrong, um, Dallas just somehow did not come to play. And oh, and Seattle just literally just owned it, 44-6. to six. It just, you know, if you watch the, the game on this uh, Legends on YouTube, you can pretty much see that um, the Mets were ready. Yeah, um, the, the way that they came out, I mean, you got to give that team credit. I mean, they they came out and they spread the ball. They spread their they spread Dallas's defense out, and they used their big defensive front against them, and they misdirection them the entire game. Big shout out, big shout out to the bull Stevie Schnorr. What a game! She was a maniac. I mean, you can see like when the game started to go further on, 
the more crazy she got. And she's, you know, she's trucking people. She's catching the ball coming out of the backfield. You know, she's forcing fumbles. She's recovering fumbles. She's batting passes down on defense. She was everywhere. She was the absolute monster out there. So big shout out to her. They needed that kind of effort if they were going to beat Dallas. But let me let me say this about the, the Dallas team, and I, I'm not sure, and maybe it was because of Victoria Thomas' shoulder. She touched the ball, I think, a total of three times that entire game. I mean, it just looked like they – I mean, what they wanted to do was go over the top and, and, and throw the ball a lot. But, listen, there were a lot of drop passes out there. I mean, White, she dropped uh, three passes. She also had two fumbles. One of them was completely inexplicable when she tried to toss it backwards. And then the other one, she was just basically stripped of the ball, and, and that was recovered. Just a, just an all-around horrific game for Dallas. They was completely out of sync. I don't know if it was nerves. This is their first year and playing in the LFL, and they made the playoffs, and they did it in impressive fashion. But they came out and laid a complete egg against this team. But you got to give take you got to take your hats off to Seattle. They beat them in every single phase of that game. And the, Steve again, I got to keep harping on Stevie Schnorr. She was completely she was just awesome. KK Matheny, she didn't have the best year this year. Okay, but this game she was on target. They ran the option. She pitched it at perfect times. And she was just right on. And then uh, um. It, I, I forget the lady's name, uh, number three. What was her name? Uh, Malloy. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, she Dominique is, Malloy. Absolutely. Yeah, she's the fastest player in LFL. When she gets the ball, I've never seen a, a football player in the, in the LFL, the WFA, or anywhere else in women's football that is as fast as her. When they said she had world-class speed and she was a track star at Arizona State, I was like, that's why. Because when she – she start when she starts off. She's on the hump. She's out, and so they they were luckily spread out, and she didn't get to break like uh, you know some really long runs. But she was breaking you know seven, eight, fifteen, seventeen yard runs. She was absolutely fantastic. And so whoever that they play, whether it be Chicago or Atlanta, they're going to have their hands full because you got a team that has that is running on all cylinders right now, and that leadership. And that, you know, the experience that they have in the playoffs and just as a team itself, it's going to bode well for them going into the championship games. Well, and, you know, the results, obviously, we looked at the other game, which you're going to see this Saturday on at Legends, was obviously the Steam taking on the Bliss. And so, Troy, on that end aspect, you were, oh, you were right once again. And you said, you know, if, if Atlanta doesn't get over the hump at this point, it's like a fear factor for them. So coming into this game, and you guys will see it this Saturday on Legends. It's going to be uploaded, uh, the Eastern Conference Championship. I will tell you this, uh, the, the Steam mirror image of the week before, which was the, the season-ending game, they were up big time on the Bliss, and they end up losing 30-25. to 25. They got shut out in the second oh quarter once gosh. again. Oh, so wow. You, you tell oh, me wow. if, if it's not in their head that the Bliss – owns this team now. I mean, it literally shut them out, almost mirror image of the first game the week before, and now they lose 30-25. to 25. That right there to me is, I mean, Dakota Hughes, uh, Brittany Demery, and you talk about Lauren Ziegler, everybody in the steam weapon uh, was available, and they still end up losing 30-25 to 25 against Chicago. And, and Jacinda Barkley, the Aussie, 
a sensation. You cannot say more uh, more good things enough for that. First-year quarterback, you get Heather Fur out of Chicago, and you you put her in a position to win, and all of a sudden, here you go. She ends up winning. She won the LFL Australia uh, Cup in the inaugural season of LFL Australia, and now she, uh, as of this week in Arizona, she also won the Legends Cup, which um, the um, Bliss beat Seattle 31-26 for the Legends Cup, which you'll see in two weeks uh, on the uh, LFL YouTube channel. Uh, but you know Seattle, Seattle just seemed like so dominant in the, against Dallas, just very dominant, and they just they just overpowered everything. I mean they they only allowed six points over three and a half quarters, and that was it. Like you said, you know Snoring Company, they just they just took over. Yeah, I mean it was it was a fantastic game, and I, wow, I can't wait to see the film on, on, the, on both of those games, the Bliss and the you know, um and also uh, the Mist. I got to see that game, and also the Atlantic game as well. Uh, but yeah, I, I was just so impressed with with how they ran out there. Um, their coach, I, I don't know what he's drinking on that sideline, man. <laughs> I don't know if it's Red Bulls mixed with Five Hour Energy or something, but that guy is an absolute maniac. I, I, I don't see how he hasn't. You know, we had the the Omaha coach. I guess he's in much better shape than the Omaha coach was because this. <laughs> Because a maniac on the sideline, but he was absolutely correct. I mean, they did have that. You know, uh, Michelle Angel was trying to. She was trying to throw deep, and I, and that was their biggest weapon. But um, you know, they had so many drop passes. I think I think Dallas had maybe eight or nine drop passes in that game. Not to mention, you know, the turnovers. I think they had two interceptions, three interceptions, and two fumbles. It was just – it was extremely erratic. I mean, they just ran into a buzzsaw. They were just out of sync. It was just a, a total domination by the Seattle team. Yeah, I mean, and you're, like I said, if you watch go watch the game now, you can pretty much see that they were really dominated. They they were taken over right right after the second half. I mean, second quarter, they were just dominated the whole game. And Seattle showed their all-fantasy squad, you know, what they are. Uh, we'll, we'll recap the Steam and Bliss game this coming weekend once we view it and get a more of a thorough recap. But that's really what happened there is uh, Atlanta went up and then all of a sudden, you know, um, they allow the bliss to come back and then the bliss just basically edge them 30 to 25 and they go to legends against uh, Seattle. So, and then they go to Arizona uh, and they beat the Seattle miss 31, 26 and they edged uh, Seattle in the final. And then Danica brace, I think got injured once again. So we'll, we'll get the whole re- uh, scope recap in terms of the, the matchup once it's uploaded on Legends Football League, and we'll recap it together. Um, the the awards for the LFL, which is you know like the NFL awards, the LFL awards. Uh, Chris Michelson of the Seattle Miss was inducted into the Hall of Fame, becomes the third Hall of Fame inductee in Legends Football League history, behind uh, Monique Gaxiola being the first, and uh, obviously Elizabeth Gorman being the second. So the first coach to be inducted into the uh, Legends Football League. And so uh, it was a great night, and you had uh, the award show. You had uh, the Rookie of the Year nominees, Jade Randall of, the, uh, of Dallas, A.J. Johnson of the Bliss, Kristen Morrison of the Bliss, and the uh, Rookie of the Year goes to Jay Randall of the Dallas Desire. Then you also had the Eighth Man Award, which is between Seattle, Chicago, Atlanta, and it goes to the Seattle fan base, the Eighth Man Award for appreciation for their fan base. Then you had the Assistant Coach of the Year nominee, Mark White, Chris Pike, and Terrence Bullock of Dallas. And the winner is Mark White of the Chicago Blitz, Offensive Coordinator. 
And then you also had In the Trenches, the first annual In the Trenches Award nominees were Sherry Agawa from The LA Temptation, Dina Wadowski from The Steam, Steph Wicket from The Austin Acoustic, and the winner In the Trenches goes to the rookie, Steph Wicket of The Austin Acoustic. The other awards were Defensive Player of the Year nominees were Jade Randall, Kristen Morrison of The Bliss, and Danica Brace of The Steam, and the winner went to Kristen Morrison of The Bliss. Congratulations to her. The other, uh, basically, uh, awards was player uh, the Offensive Player of the Year nominees was Michelle Angel of Dallas, Dakota Hughes of The Steam, and Jade, Jade Randall of The Desire, and Jade wins, um, Jade, uh, The Desire, Jade Randall wins again. So three awards for Jay Randall at this on the night. So congratulations to her. Uh, the Mortaza Award winner went to Alex Drake. So um, if you go to the LFL 360 site, LFL360.com, you get the recap on there. So uh, Troy, you know you you've been you you were calling it all season. So we'll get a couple minutes here, but you've been on point almost all season in terms of you know the matchups and and things like that in Legends. So no different here. Um, you know, uh, Chicago just seems to own the steam, and that's just a record, 7-0 now, 7-0 and against Atlanta. Uh, Dallas, we thought, was going to be competitive against the Miss, but you also pointed out that, you know, the Miss was it's heavily stocked with the very talented players. And the matchup we, we both wanted, and you said it was going to be, it was going to be Miss and Bliss, and it turns out the uh, Chicago edges Seattle in the Legends Cup. So I've uh, been on point all season, man. I do my best, you know. Try to look at try to look at what I see and and, and everything that I saw made sense to me. So uh, I just need to go ahead and take that take my show on the road to Vegas and uh, earn some money off of it. And then you know I'll be good to go. I think my wife would be happy if I came home with all my Vegas winnings. You know. <laughs> I bet she would, especially if it's a big a bunch of zeros. Oh yeah. Absolutely. So the MVP was Jade Randall. Just to let you guys know, three, three. Uh, she was nominated for four categories, but she won. So the MVP goes to uh, Jade Randall of the Dallas Desire. And Troy, you also called it and said, "Awesome talent," and so she's deserving of the MVP. So she got the MVP award as well. So. Oh yeah, she she's the Megatron of the LFL. I mean, it's, wow. I was surprised that she had the game that she had, where she had four drops in the in the game. Um, you know, uh, against uh, Seattle, but she was open the entire game. I mean, she went right over the top every single time, and then she dropped uh, a short fire. To, she dropped two touchdowns, as a matter of fact. But she is an awesome talent, and just for her to be a rookie, I, I didn't even realize this was her first year until they mentioned that. I mean, next year, geez. I mean, there Dallas is going to be a scary, scary outfit to, to go against next year. All right, and Kishi, any any thoughts on what we just talked about, Legends? I actually am looking to see, you know, um, how things shake out this weekend. I know from everything that I have been learning about the um, LFL League that, you know, Seattle and Dallas have been the powerhouses. I know Seattle's been trying to get back in it. So um, this weekend I'll have a chance to get caught back up on all of my legends football because, of course, as you know, the past two weeks have been getting little people ready for back to school. So this will be my uh, binge watching this weekend. <laughs> well, it's a perfect time for you to watch because it's playoff time. So uh, if you go to Legends uh, on YouTube, you get to watch the Western Conference Championship, the 44-6 to slaughter of the Dallas Desire. 
uh, which not, wasn't a very good performance by them. Uh, but they, they had a great season, as Troy pointed out before. They played obviously great against L.A. They played awesome against Seattle before that, and they took care of business, you know, uh, versus Austin and Omaha. So, the, you know, hats off to them. And the Bullock brothers for doing a fantastic job this season as well. Um, but you'll get to watch the Eastern Conference, which is probably the better game. Uh, right, Troy? That's been a very good game. So it's, you know, steam and bliss. Uh, and we get to see uh, the Atlanta steam sort of explode themselves once again in the second half, which I just was, it was just mind blowing to see that again, but we'll get to see it live once it gets uploaded. And then in another week from now, you'll get to see legends cup, which is the, uh, the, the bliss winning against the Mist, 31, 26 in Arizona at legends cup 2016. Um, so that's going to do it for us. Great show. Uh, we want to thank Holly Custis for coming in for the, with the forum on the Kaepernick anthem stance and uh, give us perspective there. Uh, great job, Troy and Kishi, on the, uh, you know, the overview and the opinions and everything else. I think we, you know, we pretty much covered it all uh, on top of, you know, if he gets cut and see what the ramifications are on a PR level. So that was awesome as well. Um, so, you know, we got to get out of here. But um, I want to let everybody know, thanks for making us number one on Twitter. Uh, and so we really appreciate it. We're close to 6,000 fans on Twitter. Uh, so hopefully we'll get there within the next couple weeks. But uh, share our post, share our radio podcast, um, spread the word. And then uh, if you want to get the rundown on the um, German League finals this weekend, it's posted on our Twitter feed as well as the Gridiron Queensland matchups this coming week as well on our Twitter feed. And we'll get uh, results and information next on the next broadcast in terms of the results there too. So, And then Gridiron New South Wales will kick off also this weekend. So it's going to be UTS taking on Newcastle out there in uh, Australia. So all seasons during the NFL, we'll cover the off-season seasons as well, and we'll cover the rest of the realm in terms of the women's game on the recaps. Um, any last-minute things, guys, before we get out of here? We got two minutes. Yeah, um, I'm gonna be. I'm going to be. I'm gonna be super excited this weekend because college football is kicking off this weekend. It's gonna be completely awesome. Oh, yeah. I'm day off on Monday while watching it. I'll also be at the Maryland Howard game doing a little bit of local flavor. So my, my buddy and I will both be uh, covering the game. Uh, hopefully we can get down to the sideline. We'll see. And also next week we'll start talking about the opening season of the NFL. I would scream, but I don't want to hurt anybody's ears because I'm so excited about it. So I'll see you. I'll talk to you guys next week. I cannot wait to discuss. That's right, because week two, awesome. you and I will not speak to each other. Week two, we don't speak. Week two, we it's we an early matchup. These things. Yeah, it's an early <laughs> matchup. I think we're thinking Washington's yeah. going to win this one. Yeah, no. very easy. No. I'll be at the game no. for that one, too. So, yeah, this will be pretty no. easy. No, well, hopefully, yeah. Yeah, well, you need me. Yeah, I'm glad you're not worried about it because you're already used to losing. So, yes. <laughs> my goal is that I, too, plan to be at the game. Keep your fingers crossed. I'm trying to make it happen. So, um, so yes, Oscar, awesome. that's something we'll have to talk about offline. Off is, is Troy getting passes for his – college football games and giving me some passes for the pro games since that's his that's his lane and I don't get in it. <laughs> I just enjoy learning. We'll have, to, we'll have to work it out. We'll have to work it out and see what we can do. Um thanks to Zazzle for sponsoring our uh, our broadcast and our, our podcast. Zazzle.com go forward slash great iron beauties get your gear and support the project uh where women play American football and they play no joke football. So for Inkishi Free, Troy Wilson, Oscar Lopez We'll catch you next time. Make sure you subscribe to our podcast and share it. 
And we'll be here next Tuesday to talk more NFL uh, preseason as well as week one and college football, too. So have a great evening, everybody. Bye. Good night. Later, Gators. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.